Implementation Committee. This open meeting of the Master Plan Implementation Committee is being conducted remotely consistent with Governor Baker's executive order of June 16, 2021, an act relative to extending certain COVID-19 measures adopted during the state of emergency. All members of the Master Plan Implementation Committee are allowed and encouraged to participate remotely. The order allows the Master Plan Implementation Committee to meet entirely remotely so long as reasonable public access is afforded so that the public can follow along with the deliberations of the meeting. The public is encouraged to follow along using the posted agenda unless the chair notes otherwise. Members of the public who wish to view the live stream of this meeting may do so by going to Northborough Remote Meetings on YouTube via the link listed on the agenda. Ensuring public access does not ensure public participation unless such participation is required by law. This meeting will not feature public comment. Uh, let's see. Members, when I call your name, please respond in the affirmative. Julianne Hirsch? Here. Uh, Dario Damare? We'll come back to Dario. Rick Leaf? Here. Sorry, on mute. Oh, Dario's here. All right. Rick Leaf? Rick, you were muted as well. Catching everybody off guard. I'll skip over. Oh, there you are, Rick. And what I just did here. You're you're unmuted now, Rick. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm back online. Okay. All right. Gene Gene Kennedy. Uh, present. John Campbell. Here. Bill Peterson. Here. Fran Baxton. Amy Pretzky. Here. Adrian Cost. All right, I think that was everyone. Some of you, it was a bit hard to hear, but I think, I think we've got it. Um, and staff, when I call your name, please respond in the affirmative. Uh, Kathy Jubert. Here. Scott Charpentier. Present. I think that's, I think that's everyone. All right. Um, so first of tonight, we're going to be hearing from the Northboro Cultural, Cultural Council from Suzanne Cox, who's in charge of the, the public art campaign. Um, so Suzanne, why don't you take it away? Wonderful. Can we put the street, the share back on? I think you might have to do it yourself, but I'm not sure, Jim. Yep, you should be all set to share. All right, thank you. Yeah, there it um, is. My name is Suzanne Cox. I'm with the Northborough Cultural Council. Thank you for um, having us today. Um, Terry is our chair who's part of NCAT and filming this for the committee. Um, um, we really appreciate uh, the, the ability to talk about our new public art campaign that we launched this year. Um, just to catch everybody up, I'm not sure where everybody is on what the council does. But the Northborough Cultural Council really, our goal is to elevate the cultural life in Northborough by um, supporting and encouraging excellence in the arts and the humanities. We do this primarily through administering grants each year that support this mission. Um, we typically grant about 18 to 20 um, programs that are held um, in Northborough or by Northborough artists to, to uh, facilitate and support the arts. 
Um, in addition to direct grants to cultural programs, we hold an annual Culture Fest of Music and Art. We've done it for three years, so this year will be our fourth. Um, and then this year in 2021, we launched a new multi-year public art campaign. And that's really what I wanna take a moment to talk to you about this evening. Um, the primary goal of this art campaign is really about placemaking in Northboro. Um, we wanted to use the talent and, and some of the vision of the council members to put art, public art in a place to, to make a difference in, um, the connection between people and places in Northboro. Our primary area is the downtown business district in the, the center of town to really um, allow art, the public art program to create this identity and maybe a unique sense of place around that downtown area. Um, our secondary area focuses are the main thoroughfares through town. And by that, I mean Route 20 and Route 135 and the public spaces that um, are part of, that are off of those um, main thoroughfares. And here we wanna use streetscapes as a way for the public art to just enhance um, and easily communicate the branding of Northboro in our community. So, um, and to all visitors there. So really use those corridors and some of the public spaces along those corridors for, to, um, to, to really set an identity for Northboro, enhance it. Um, our goals are really just to reflect Northboro's history, its culture, but most importantly, its vision for the future. Um, one of the key things we wanted to do with this campaign was to support the Northboro Master Plan and do that primarily through the land use and the economic development goals. Um, in the, in the, um, the uh, the actual campaign, I think that maybe have been mailed out earlier today. I go into some detail of how we can support land use goal number two and goal number three. Um, goal number two is probably our strongest connection and what this campaign ties into um, with, you know, really promoting and welcoming appearance of the downtown, you know, create sense of pride with um, using art and culture um, and but public art through the cultural council to really, um, have that welcoming um, area in the downtown and, and create that sense of pride. Goal number three as well um, is something we connect to. The economic development goals, one and four, we tie into. And in the document, I go into a little more specific of how we support those, those goals in the, um, the master plan. Um, also, this campaign is also about supporting, providing support and exposure to local artists another key tenant of our campaign is that we have a chance to enhance and create a sense of place in Northboro, but also doing it with Northboro artists or surrounding town area artists. So keeping it a very local as much as possible. We want to do this or we plan to do this um, with three types of public art, um, permanent installations, temporary exhibits, and artist engagements. Um, those are the three things that we um, will develop over the years to, to um, in this campaign. I'm going really quickly, but at the end, if there's any, if you want to interrupt me and ask questions, that's fine. Um, our very first effort, our 2021 effort is a temporary exhibit 
to kick off the campaign and it's entitled Go Outdoors Northborough. And it consists of a collection of painted doors, really trying to reflect the town's vibrant atmosphere and what artists see when they go outdoors, as well as to encourage everybody in Northborough to go outdoors. In our case, to go out to the downtown area, um, primarily the Commons area or anywhere in the downtown business district. So it's part of a larger effort and we're doing it in collaboration with the larger effort that was started by the Umbrella Arts Center in Concord. It's a, it's, um, right now it's encompassing, I think, uh, 11 towns or cities and some towns, um, mostly closer into Boston. Um, you know, towns that you would assume with a lot more resources and to do it. We're probably the farthest west who have begun to do this program. It started with the Umbrella Arts um, Center and the Cultural Council there working to put up these upcycled doors on the Bruce Freeman tra Rail Trail in order to encourage people to go outside during COVID. Um, here are some three pictures, but um, in the program there, um, in, the, in the longer plan, there's links to the bigger um, program and I can show you the towns that are doing um, this work. Um, We want to follow this with the 2022 project um, following our kickoff effort and it be a permanent public art installation. Um, the goal, our goal at this point is to commission a mural to be painted within the downtown business district, again, to further enhance our sense of pride in our town and connect the residents to the center of town and start, you know, helping um, do our part to create that sense of pride and connection to the area. So. Um, these are two examples uh, of different types of murals that have been put up, one in Lynn and the other in Boston. Some reflect community, others reflect nature. Um, what we would reflect would be something we'd like um, the public to help us decide or certain um, or, you know, interested parties. We don't have a, a particular agenda on what the mural would be, only that it would complete this goal. Um, I'm going really fast and I apologize. What we're talking to you tonight about is because we sleep, we really do need to work collaboratively with the town, with you as the implementation committee and other uh, town committees, as well as the businesses and any interested residents to make this campaign successful. Um, it would be more um, for us to have the level of success we want. It really, we want to have stakeholders on some of these committees help us understand what it would take. We have, you know, we're staffed by our, our volunteers or people with art backgrounds and cultural backgrounds and music backgrounds. Um, so we have a lot of ideas that flow through our committee. Um, but how does that fit in with the overall goals? Are we, are we, uh, and that's really what we want the collaborative work to do to help us shape this vision of ours to um, support the town and where it's trying to go with the master plan. So with that, I'll open for questions or comments. I thought this was a really good presentation, Suzanne. Um, uh, my first impression is that I think when we choose a consulting company to work with to develop the strategy for what this downtown revitalization or whatever we're gonna call it is gonna look like, there's going to meet people who work with a consultant 
to provide ideas from the community into the plan. And it would seem to me the Cultural Council should have a seat on that committee. So as these things are being discussed, these kind of ideas can get brought forward and then see as the plan starts to roll out as to what's gonna be happening, how these kinds of things can be done and where they should be done and how they play, play into other things that are gonna be recommended to be done you know, in the area which also leads me to believe that maybe you guys shouldn't get out too far in front of this in terms of starting to do a lot of work to install things which may not end up being in the places where you put them or the places where you put them may not exist anymore after you put them there kind of thing. So I know there's, I can understand your interest in getting started, want to start to do some stuff. But I think the major thing would be to have you guys, you know, be a player providing input and, and comment onto the plan as it's developed. Because I think these are all great ideas and I think they're right in line with, I think what a lot of people have commented during the master plan development of what they'd like to see in the downtown. So I think the timing of this presentation is, is excellent, but it's probably gonna be a while before there's a more concrete plan as to what the downtown is gonna look like and how a lot of this art could work into it. Yeah, I, I had a similar comment and I, knew, I see Amy's hand up. I think this is great. And I do have a question about how you decide where to where you're going to put the doors. But for the permanent installation, I feel like it would be great to kind of, I don't know how the timing's going to work out, but kind of have it work simultaneous with the downtown master plan or, or vision that Rick was kind of talking about. Because I was wondering, you know, where where you're thinking of putting a mural and what if what if that particular building or place is changed or, 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 or goes away? <laughs> so I had the same kind of idea as Rick on that, but I think this is great. And I, I was just wondering, well, how do you determine where the doors are gonna be placed? Cause that project is already underway and I think it's great. So uh, we would ideally, and, and we're um, following this, I'm an open communication with the, um, with the commons committee. Um, ideally um, in the downtown area, um, the commons being uh, one, it's a temporary exhibit. So we're, we're talking a month to maybe 45 days, depending on um, scheduling stuff. So it's not meant to be maybe up to 60 days. It's not meant to be a, um, it won't impede um, property in any way because it's, it's an introduction to an awareness of um, what the plan's all, what the campaign's all about. So as well as generating interest. Um, yeah, so I guess my, my question was more, not a, it wasn't a concern about in, impeding anything. It was just more of a question about, are you working with business owners to, to you know, put, put it in front of, put them in front of businesses or is it all going to be on town-owned property or just curious? town-owned property. The original project and the original concept is to put it along paths. Right now we have two sets of, public paths in our public, we have the path along in the commons and we have the path in, on the, um, in the park on 135 Ellsworth Back Park. So the original concept is to integrate these doors, which are doors of nature. And we're talking um, nine doors max. So we're not talking a huge amount, um, seven artists and then two um, honorary artists um, to put them on paths so that they're set off paths. And I can show you um, examples on the Bruce Freeman Rail Trail where they are set maybe, you know, uh, seven feet or five feet off the path. So as you're on the path, 
they're just dispersed along the path. They were, they're down now because it was a temporary exhibit. Um, the other towns, some towns have put them in a park, a town, um, and there's photos of that in Arlington where they're just in a, in maybe there's six of them just kind of stationed along um, an, an area in a park uh, or a common area, a town public space. So we're focusing on public space, ideally the commons, but, um, and um, we weren't we weren't solid on that. It was depending on response, um, but we we were funded for seven doors, so we have this we have applicants or submissions for that. So we're we're good with that. We have an idea of what to do, but we don't want to. We would love to hear input. Some people say, well, maybe half one place and half another, or all one place. Um, that's what the dialogue and understanding how other people view it and what and what they think would be um, the, the biggest bang for the buck, you know, is why we're here and why we're starting conversations with the town, you know, with with conversations about it. So um, that's very helpful to know because I was kind of I kind of felt like you had already decided. So that's that's helpful. Well, so you're looking for feedback on locations. Yeah, things like that. I mean, we all have we can all I can sit here and tell you, you know, I can draw a vision and everything that would be perfect, but that's that's not what the, the project's about, play, you know, everybody sense. So giving everybody's feedback into it. It's designed in a certain way. It's designed to be seen from a walking path. I mean, that was the initial, and we are working in collaboration with a larger era, you know, a larger effort. Um, so, you know, keeping that in mind. Um, as far as the, the 2022 or 2022 project of the mural, um, again, so far we have all we've done is create the sense of what we want to do next year. We've put in grants for money from the state because with, you know, it takes money to make this happen without that, that's not it. So we've written up, um, you know, a business plan, a, a, you know, financial plan, written grants um, that hopefully will get awarded because that's a significant investment. Um, as far as where, well, the, again, in those kind of places, we're open to having conversations. We have no agenda to put it in X, Y, or Z place. All we're trying to do is use public art to enhance our sense of place here and, you, and make Northboro feel unique. So of what it is painted or where it goes is really um, something these dialogues will you know, there are many examples on the sides of schools, you know, on the um, inside, these are public, so they wouldn't be inside the building. Um, from maybe private businesses that abut public places that maybe could use art to help that private, the public space look better, or, you know, maybe a gas station that abuts a common, a mural would help diffuse the commercial <laughs> presence <laughs> right. i want to i want to you know there's two people that have had their hands up for a while so i just want to make okay. sure they have a chance to ask you a question okay. so we're amy we're open we're not trying to yeah <laughs> great i just wanted to bring forth and i don't even know if john Fudir is on the call i can only see like five people but there no. is already someone coming forward to do a mural on the gas station that faces the common it's already been discussed i'm not privy to who it is or what they're going to paint but you might want to collaborate with them i think the town administrator might know 
it was an artist who was, uh, this is what I've heard. It was an artist who was donating their services and, and, and it's already, I think in the works. Um, I was told oh, about it almost a year ago. So I was actually surprised that it hasn't happened yet. So I don't know if it's still in the works, but I know it's been discussed by some people and I, I think it's going to happen. But I don't know anything about it. I don't know who's doing it, oh, what the design is, but but it was an artist that had brought forth it to the town. And I, I do think some people might know. Um, and the second one, I think the doors is a neat idea, seeing them on the presentation, being temporary in the town common, I think it would look nice. We, um, a lot of times I go to up to Meredith, New Hampshire, and they have a sculpture a walk along the water and it's artists and they change their sculptures and it draws a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So I think the doors, if it's temporary down on the common would draw people to walk and, and look at the, the doors. And I don't know if they have like a name on it and who paints it. And yes, we would, but if you look up Meredith New Hampshire sculpture yeah. walk, they do it. And and I know people who it, it draws every time the sculptures change, it draws a lot of people. Yeah. So, so uh, we would definitely curate it in the sense that, you know, um, the artists would be um, shown and we would on our websites, we would have bios on them and promote it. And, and that's part of what we, you know, our local, the artists in the area, it's part of our mission. So we would do all that via the whole effort. Great. I see John Campbell has his hand up, but Scott, did you have information about that mural? Is that what you have? I, I, I do. I do, Madam Chair. Okay. Thank you. Um, yeah, why don't you jump in? So we met with a, a, a prospective donor on the town common about a year and a half ago. Um, he uh, expressed interest in supporting uh, the painting of a mural on the white wall on the gas station adjacent to the town common behind the pergola. Um, he was not the artist. He was just a donor who was interested in, in, in beautifying the town common. Um, you know, things have kind of slowed down a bit on, on a lot of fronts. Uh, I, I have had contact with, with him in the past six months or so, and he's still interested. But there is no commitment to a specific artist. Um, he had actually tasked myself and another, um, another staff member to look into um, art programs um, in Worcester and in the area that may be interested in doing it. There's one uh, that Suzanne may be familiar with that kind of bops around the, the urban areas of Worcester and does more urban-based um, wall murals that, um, that pique some interest. But that conversation is ongoing. It's just relatively slow in process. Great. Thanks, Scott. John? John's had his hand up for a while. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to... Um comment on the sites. Obviously the doors project layout, as you've discussed, is best suited for a path or a gathering area like the common, which is really perfect for it. But I started thinking, is the front lawn area of White Cliffs a spot for a future art exhibit since nothing else is going on there, but at least to advocate for that area and show something. It's another spot in town that people drive by. And that's it, just a thought that popped in my head. And that's, that's exactly why we want to create these dialogues with the different groups, because um, that's a perfect, it's part of the, the main thoroughfare. So it fits within the, 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 air, the secondary area focus for our um, efforts. Um, 
and yeah, I mean, that would be perfect. Any sort of things like this that can help the overall goal of creating a sense of place here in Northboro is what, what we're all about and doing it with local artists is, is our mission and our goal. So I, if, I, I'm not sure if, if, if people want us to assist in, with the, if the mural situation. We are um, hoping the state supports us in doing one. It doesn't have to be the one that the Commons has already got it, or it could be that if they need assistance with curation and understanding, you know, call for artist proposals and artist contract and the whole way that works, which is what our expertise is, um, you know, it's what we do. So um, we'd be happy to do that or a different project elsewhere. So um, we're open. We're just, we're just, you know, love to hear the, con the ideas and the connections. So. Great. Uh, Dario? Uh, Suzanne, I think what you guys are doing is great, first and foremost. I, I, anything you can do to promote that, promote a sense of community is, is really wonderful. And um, working with all these developers who try to get the best bang for the buck, some of the stuff they try to avoid because they don't want the public seeing what they're doing and other ones want to show it off. But there's there's kind of common patterns, and I think it would be great for the doors. Um, yes, put them at 135 Park. Yes, downtown, and even um, in in front of um, Wesson House. That that's perfect too. But where you know you're going to have people all the time, maybe we put them at the entries to the pickup and drop off of Peasley and and. Algonquin and the school. So now the parents and the kids and everybody, you'll have every person that's going to school or part of our community seeing it. They're stopped. They're picking up kids. They get a chance to read it, enjoy it. And in the good weather, appreciate it. So you really spread it everywhere instead of hoping people are visiting the little park we have downtown, which really isn't as frequented as, as say, the schools, you know, where everybody gets to enjoy it. That could be really cool. And all of a sudden, they're going to want 30 doors, um, which would be great if there was a, you know, public outcry for more because they are so cool. And, and then kids talk, parents talk. It, it creates a, a buzz and an energy that that could be awesome. We love that thought. And um, we, and part of the grant we put in to the state for 2022 um, to do, um, you know, they have project money. They give large sums for projects. And so part of the mural project we also defined uh, as part of that project overall was to get our high school artists to not create doors which are large and we're mainly focused on professionals and fewer but to get all high school level artists um, to paint smaller profile things and to have a wider footprint with them um, but more youth are because you know it's a smaller footprint that they're more able to um, like a two by four, something that they're uh, a size more conducive of a youth artist. Um, um, and there would be more of them and that we would be able to change the, um, not so much going outdoors, it would be a different, a different program, a different, you know, goal for this project, but have volume to do things like what you just said and go to multiple places. So we wrap that in with our request for the state money for the mural as part of uh, that thing. And um, so we were thinking that as well. So that's wonderful because 
um, supporting youth and having more volume of material to show around town. This first out, which is our launch, just one, you know, just this year's launch is just seven professional or in three or semi-professional artists, just to really um, get people aware of what, what the campaign's all about. It's a five-year campaign. So it's not, um, you know, the first, the first uh, project is a temporary, you know, the first doors project is really um, an intro to public interest, to um, more projects, uh, more collaboration. So thank you. That's we've heard. Well, and that. I think, and I think it's you're certainly welcome. But and I think it's great for the kids because that's a whole different component. But mm -hmm. you'd be amazed how many parents will pick up on it because they're not necessarily going downtown. They're dropping the kids or going to work. Mm -hmm. And then you get that exposure because they are going to go to the school. So you know you're going to get every part of town, at least the people that are coming and going to the schools. And, and it, so it hits the adults and the children and yeah. creates that, that, that buzz, if you will, for the total specter. Anyway, that's yeah. So we look at these as, um, you know, many projects is what we hope to do in this campaign. Um, all with slightly different goals, targeting slightly different, um, all for placemaking, but different goals and different aspects of it for different targeted communities, like you've mentioned, and really, uh, you know, public spaces. So, um, and hearing what people think is needed and what would be a good idea is, is, is how we're going to make sure we develop pro projects in this um, campaign that, you know, hit the mark. Suzanne, this was really helpful. Um, and I think going forward, as, as long as we're kind of talking and working together with the downtown, you know, permanent installation, I think that this could be a great success. And obviously this first project sounds like it's already going to be. Um, I had one other comment about maybe focusing opposite of what Dario suggested, bringing attention to the river and the sidewalk along the river might be a cool project in the future as well. But um, thanks again for, for coming and um, feel free to stick around, but I, I'm sure you don't want to, <laughs> but um, this was very, this was very helpful and I'm sure we'll, we'll talk some more. Okay. And there's much more in the document if, if people have yeah. a chance to, to read, it's only like nine pages. It's not really heavy reading, but um, there's much more in there. And again, um, we'd love to collaborate on next year's project. If something's already going in, we have funding for it um some funding i mean they can be expensive so um we'd love to um bring whatever or or, or, or do an independent project if that's needed as well so thank you okay thanks, thanks, thanks so much all right next up and we're running a little behind but we'll just, i think this is going to be a really important discussion um and rick's gonna lead us in reviewing um, kind of all the sidewalk and pedestrian improvement uh, and, and bike improvements within the master plan, all those various goals. And um, so Rick, I'll turn it over to you. Okay. Um, I think what we'd like to do um, is just kind of review kind of what was going on in the master plan around the uh, parts of the transportation chapter, chapter eight, that had to do with walkability and bikeability in the town of Northboro. We had received a lot of feedback 
during the development of the master plan from residents um, around this as being something they felt they wanted to see some significant improvements done um, in the town. And so um, they sort of landed uh, in the transportation section. And so we'd like to be able to do tonight is just kind of review what the plan said. And then after we got done doing that, uh, Dario's got a few examples he wants to go through of some things he's been involved with as far as streetscapes. And then basically um, get some feedback from you, Scott, as to kind of what you're thinking about, what the things you're working on are like. And, and if some of these things aren't currently being considered, can they be considered or how would we sort of merge some of these ideas from the plan as additions and the things that you're doing? Obviously, nothing in the plan needs to be done in 2022 and completed. The idea would be just to start to have a working arrangement to see over time how these things would roll out. So let me just get to that. They, we talked about the fact that there were things around this, both in the 2004 Community Development Plan, as well as the recently completed Master Plan. And I'm gonna concentrate more on the Master Plan. If you read, it's pages 55 to 59 of the Community Development Plan, uh, pedestrian types of topics were rolled in under economic development. And the reason they did that was that they were talking about how to make walking better for shopping. And so they concentrated on the downtown and business east and business west. And the lot, there's a lot in there about uh, how to improve people's experience of shopping, how to make the town more economically viable by having business owners who have more businesses if people could walk around more effectively in the business districts. And certainly some of what came out, what comes out in the master plan references that. But I think a lot of this is gonna sort of roll into whatever we do about the downtown. Well, the downtown isn't gonna really talk about business east and business west. I think a lot of the things we may decide to do about walkability in the downtown may be transferable eventually into, into the other business districts. So I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on what came out of the community development plan, except to say it was focused on walking in the business districts. And that's somewhat different than what came out of the master plan. Um, two of the key findings at the beginning of chapter eight, one said major corridors lack adequate pedestrian and bicycle accommodations, such as consistent, well-maintained sidewalks and on and off-road bike paths. And another key finding said, Connectivity could be improved between downtown and adjacent residential areas and other town assets through a more consistent sidewalk network. And I think this reference to other town assets is important because we got a lot of feedback from people during the development of the plan that they wanted the ability not only to walk easily between their neighborhoods and the downtown, but to be able to, be able to walk from the neighborhoods to parks, to trails, to other ways to sort of combine a walk from their property to someplace else, which was being developed by the town as a recreational asset. So I think the master plan recommendations around this really expanded the scope of where we needed to expand bikeability and walkability to be on the downtown out to other areas. So the, 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 the first goal of transportation says become a bicycle and pedestrian friendly community by expanding existing bicycle and pedestrian facilities and improving connectivity. And underneath that, there were five recommendations. 
I'll just read them quickly. The first one was develop signed bike routes throughout the town. The next one was participate in the state's complete streets program to improve bikeability and walkability of local streets. The next one was examine and identify key locations in town for additional sidewalk improvements focusing on pedestrian oriented destinations like schools, parks, trails. The next one was replace existing pedestrian crosswalks with high visibility crossings to help facilitate pedestrian connectivity. And the last was develop a plan to upgrade all existing pedestrian facilities as appropriate to meet current accessibility standards. What I wanna concentrate in is the first one and the third one about bike routes throughout town and connectivity to these different town assets. And as I've walked around town over the past month or so and driven around town, I've noticed that we're in different places in different areas. So for example, the connectivity between this, the center of the town and Ellsworth McAfee Field is really good. There's a consistent sidewalk that goes from the center of town all the way down to Ellsworth McAfee. There's also good sidewalk access on Davis Street from the neighborhoods there through Davis Avenue back to the park. So there's a good example there of kind of that's what people are looking for. How do I get from where I am down to something like Ellsworth McAfee? And to the same extent, although it's not that far to the center of town, there's good walkability from the center of town to Assadet Park. So those two parks, there seems to be already in place, you know, good uh, walkability. The next thing I looked at was how could you get from the center of town down to the aqueduct? Because the Community Preservation Committee has a proposal in front of them right now to build a bridge up to the aqueduct to take advantage of that. The aqueduct connects over to Edmund Hill Woods. And so connectivity down through the aqueduct gives you connectivity to other uh, town assets. And when I looked at that, for the most part, there's a pretty good sidewalk, but as you get closer to the center of town, it kind of breaks up a little bit. It's on one side of the street, it's on the other side of the street. In some places, it's really not there anymore. And so some effort to try and get that piece from the center of town a little bit past Pierce Street sort of organized to connect to the rest of it would sort of give you an ability to get down uh, to the aqueduct and take advantage of what's gonna happen down there if this walking steps are built up to the aqueduct and all that hiking. I also noticed at the aqueduct that the sidewalk goes around to Allen Street heading up towards East Main for about 20 feet. But it'd be interesting if it would be possible at some point to extend the sidewalk up Allen Street to East Main Street where there's connectivity already with the sidewalk uh, up to uh, Route 20. And if that were done someday, you could see there'd be a loop through the center of town, down to the aqueduct, up to Allen Street, to East Main Street, and back around again. And I think that gets it, once again, kind of the thought process that people gave to us in the master plan. The other thing I'll bring up as an example is Kearney Park down at the end of West Main Street. It's a lot of use. And there's a good sidewalk from the center of town that goes up to where the old Santander Bank used to be, and then it stops. And if someday, that sidewalk could be extended down to Kearney Park. There'd be walkability from different neighborhoods in the center of town down to that asset. So I'm not bringing this up to say that these are all things that need to be done immediately. It's only to say that these are the kinds of things that people had in mind when they were talking to us about the master plan. And so as we talk about 
the ongoing plans that you have, Scott, for sidewalks in general, complete streets and everything else, if these kinds of ideas could be rolled in and we could start to develop a hit list over a number of years that would sort of uh, expand our ability to get from neighborhoods through the center of town to these trails and parks, that would sort of fit what kind of come out of the plan. So that's walking. Now, the other thing is biking, which I know is a more difficult concept at this point, but there was a lot of interest through people who came to the, to, to the meetings to talk about increased bikeability in the town. And I'm not sure what, if anything is currently on the agenda for that. And if not, you know, what would we need to put in place to think a little bit over time about how we would do that and where we would do that. And once again, to what extent do some of the programs you're working on with the state, like Complete Streets, sort of play into that? So I guess what I'm trying to bring up tonight is just to sort of, sort of lay out kind of what we heard from people about these kinds of things and then see over time how we could sort of work into the plans that, that, that you have and the DPW have to sort of continually address some of these issues. And once again, there's nothing about this that says it needs to be done immediately. Some of this stuff may already be in the works other things may be longer term or take more work to do, but it'd be nice if someday we sort of had a plan built out over time that would address these things and if money had to be spent built into the capital plan or if there's state funding to allow it to work that back in. So that's kind of what I wanted to review tonight just to make sure that there was kind of a general understanding among all of us on the committee as well as with you, Scott, as to kind of where the plan was trying to head as far as this went. And I think with that, um, I'll just take a minute before we turn it over to Dario to see if anybody in the committee has any other comments or input as far as that goes before we get to Dario. Hey, Rick, I just wanted to build on your example because it's really helpful to me to hear examples in town and what we might do. And that was, you talked about walking from town to Ellsworth McAfee. And I was struck by that. It's a pretty long walk. Some might do it, but you'd be more likely to bike there. And so as a target for a bike path, what would it take to achieve that down South Street from town to Ellsworth McAfee? Um, just as an example. Uh, John, yeah, I mean, I live on 135. So I see a lot of people do walking more than used to, but also having biked from my house elsewhere in town, a lot of times people are pulling up on the sidewalk and walkers are not happy about that and it's not safe. And a lot of kids do bike on the sidewalk on a 135. So I think if we're gonna think about a, a bike lane, that would be a great one um, to think about. I, I wanted to add to um, the whole idea, and this is more of a question for Scott, and I know you, you had your hand up, Scott, but um, Rick was talking about where the sidewalk kind of ends. Um, between the aqueduct bridge and downtown, it kind of gets small. And, and how do goals from the master plan, like improved sidewalks and, and walkability like that, um, translate into approvals for structures? I know there's a building on Hudson right now that's got approval to move a little closer to the road. I mean, I don't think it's a huge difference, but if we're trying to improve the sidewalk in that one section, which that's the, that's the tough section, how, how, what ability do we have to kind of communicate between departments to kind of try to make that happen when the opportunities arise? 
And the, and the last thing was um, I, I had kind of brought up to a few groups this idea, and it wasn't my idea, but I was just the messenger of the, the aqueduct trail and improving that to make it a bikeable trail. But it does achieve a lot of these goals. I mean, it, it connects, it could connect if it were to be bikeable, it could connect the high school, Bartlett Pond, Peasley School, Edmond Hill, the Aqueduct Bridge to downtown. I mean, a lot of, a lot of really cool things. Um, and how do we kind of work that in, if we're able to, if MWRA says that that could be, you could make that a bikeable trail. How do we kind of work in goals to expand that? Because there's gotta be extensions to allow people to get from A to B to reach the aqueduct itself. But um, those were just my comments. And I know you, you had, you had your hand up, Scott. So I'm gonna turn it over to you. Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, and thank you, Rick. So um, the, the quite a few things were touched on. Uh, a lot of them we're, we're aware of and we've been working on. Um, first off, Ashley, the, um, anytime a, a submission goes to the planning board, it goes through DBW review. We actually met out on site at that property location for the um, reconfiguration of the loading dock at that building. Uh, and two of the primary concerns we had, one was pedestrian access um, while the vehicles were parked there. And second was how the vehicles get in and out of that loading dock. So that's always a focus of, of mine when I do reviews. Um, I, I, I always envision, you know, my wife with a baby carriage trying to get past whatever somebody's building and I want that to be safe. Um, that's, that's a priority in our reviews. So we, we did consider that. Um, and Rick, the connectivity comments that you made, um, you know, we're aware of several of those. When we redid Allen Street uh, four years ago, we added a, a Bitcoin curb on the um, you know, downtown side of Allen Street. This will be the west side of Allen Street in order to accommodate a sidewalk. We did a property survey there as well. We're aware of a couple of easements that are required to build a sidewalk connecting Hudson Street to East Main Street. Um, it's a small section. It's a logical connection to, to, to tie in um, the Hudson Street kind of trailhead uh, over on Allen around to East Main Street where our recreation facilities are. So that's a it's an easy link connection. Uh, we're aware of other connectivity issues we have in town. One is in Amy's neighborhood um, between Lanthorne, Lanthorne and Hamilton um, along Davis around uh, Thayer. It connects, it would connect Indian Meadow to Northgate. Um, that's, that's an important connection. And those types of connectivity issues, uh, those come out of the Complete Streets program. Give you a brief update on where we are with Complete Streets. Um, we have a consultant on board and under contract. We've developed a draft policy. The goal right now is to go before the Board of Selectmen in January uh, at a public hearing to present the Complete Streets policy, um, obtain some public comment, have the Board of Selectmen consider and hopefully adopt. Once that policy is adopted, and that policy uh, general is, is, is very general in terms. It's, it's sort of a state standard that says every project we do we look at bikeable, bikeability and walkability as part of the project so that, you know, that's, that's in the forefront as we're considering different, different roadway improvements. Uh, once the policy is adopted uh, by the selectmen and accepted by MassDOT, uh, which I hope to occur in January and into February, uh, March and April, we prepare a grant application to MassDOT. Um, they will fund up to 75% of the prioritization plan development. And that's where the real public involvement gets, gets, gets uh, engaged. 
um, the prioritization plan is exactly what Rick was talking about. Looking at um, destination locations and areas of need, getting a residential neighborhood to a school, getting the commercial district on bicycles to the recreational facilities and identifies those connectivity gaps. Um, we submit that to MassDOT after public input and charrettes. Um, they approve it. And at that point, we're now eligible for action grant funding to actually construct these things. Um, as you know, the, the, uh, the, the new sidewalk construction process can be long and costly. For example, if we were to add a sidewalk, which is completely logical from Ridge Road to Bartlett Street on Maple Street, um, that would connect two schools. Um, it's a it would be a critical connection. That's not an easy process. There's no closed drainage there. When you put a sidewalk in, you put a curb in. When you put a curb in, you've now raised the grades in front of people's front yards six or eight inches. So there's a lot of considerations during new, new sidewalk construction that can be costly. Um, that's where the complete streets funding comes in substantially. The, um, so the goal and objective is that by this summer and next fall, by this coming summer of 2022 and fall, we have a prioritization plan and we can come together on what we want to submit for grant applications to fund new sidewalk construction. As far as the existing sidewalks that we have, we've completed an assessment of everything we have. Uh, we have 32.4 miles of sidewalks. We have 210 wheelchair ramps. Uh, of the wheelchair ramps, 90% of them are non-compliant um, and need to be upgraded and or uh, replaced. The goal and objective as we do sidewalk reconstruction is to replace the wheelchair ramp. So what we're doing is fully compliant um, and accessible and, and provides uh, uh, access for every, all users. In FY20, in calendar 22, uh, we're doing some sidewalk reconstruction adjacent to the roadways we're re rebuilding. Um, Stratton Way and Warren Drive are two of them, for example. They're residential neighborhoods, the roads are in bad shape. We're gonna be replacing the sidewalks in conjunction with them. Um, if you look at our town-wide sidewalk network, we've mapped it all. We know what our sidewalk condition index is. It's currently rated as 72. Um, so a uh, sidewalk condition index is very similar to a pavement condition index. It's like your grades in school. Uh, our pavement in town is a 73.5, it's a C. Our sidewalks are a 72. We know through years of uh, 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 pavement management that we need to spend $1.1 million a year to kind of maintain that, you know, low to mid 70s grade on our pavement. We, I just got the draft report uh, from our sidewalk analysis. And, you know, we're in that $150,000 to $200,000 a year range to maintain or slightly improve our sidewalk condition index. Um, so we're, we're, we're in the process of gathering that data um, and, and coming up with a capital plan and approach going forward uh, for, for sidewalk reconstruction. So in summary, there's two paths and plans. One sidewalk condition index and sidewalk ma uh, uh, management plan, which is to maintain what we have, uh, improve it and improve the accessibility of our, our wheelchair ramps. Uh, and the second side is the complete streets, which is to um, connect uh, areas that are currently uh, uh, segmented by lack of sidewalks and to incorporate, you know, share lanes, bicycle lanes in areas where um, there's connectivity issues, such as what you were saying, Ashley, like getting from downtown to 
the biggest recreational facility we have in town down a state numbered route. That should absolutely have a, a you know, shared bike lanes in each direction. Um, there are considerations, you know, you, everybody's aware of the corner, uh, you know, after uh, uh, above um, uh, Northgate, that's dangerous. You know, there's some sight distance issues and you got to consider that when you look at um, adding bike lanes to it. Um, they, they're not insurmountable, but that's where complete streets money can come in to try to improve safety there. And so that, those are the two pre, uh, programs we have, um, sidewalk management and complete streets. And, and we're, we've been actively pursuing them for a few years now. And it, it's coming close to both of those things coming together later in calendar 22. And that's a Sorry, really good update. I, I, think, I, I think one thing we need to do is somehow link that work and any other work that's going to be done that relates to what came out of the master plan so that one, one of our goals as a committee is to sort of keep track of what the master plan sort of specified needed to be done and what actually happened. And so some of these things, as we're finding out, may be happening as a matter of course, and some may be projects which get scheduled and done, particularly because they came out of the master plan itself. But one way or another, you know, this committee will probably develop some sort of a reporting technique as we get a little bit more um, good at what we're doing here. And so we're going to need a way to link kind of what you're doing in these categories to the plan. And we've got this tracking tool that we can start to put some things in there and then manage again. So it's something we're gonna have to work towards. Maybe when this prioritization and public participation thing happens coming up this year and we have a better idea of where things are going in the future, we can somehow tie that back into those aspects that meet some of the things that came out of the plan and track them that way. So there needs to was, be that. Uh... When I was on the consulting side, Rick, I would um, I worked with a lot of master plan uh, implementation committees on infrastructure on the infrastructure chapters, and they would often um, uh, delegate a liaison to a chapter. And I would, you know, as a as a municipal consultant working on infrastructure projects, I would have a liaison to kind of feed information to, and then get information from, and be invited when appropriate. Um, it's a your your committee is a great forum to get information out to the public um, where otherwise I may have a difficult time doing that. So I, I, I welcome that, Ashley, if that can happen. That's help, yeah, that's helpful. That's a good, good idea. Um, I did have a question. I was in a workshop today talking about transportation funding and they noted that the Complete Streets program just implemented a new 400,000 dollar grant max over four years so the most that a town could get is four hundred thousand in any four-year period and I might that was my understanding anyway and it just is not enough and so is if I'm sure you know you've all budgeted the projects that you already have if there are any projects that go above and beyond like say this aqueduct project which I'm sure you know if it were to go forward it would have its own budget and own grant funding but have you been talking to the central mass MPO and tip funding and, and adding that to the, to the pot, or is that, you know, is it just complete streets that you're looking at right now in terms of funding these sidewalk projects? Uh, the only tip projects um, that, I, and yes, I've spoken to CMRPC. I've worked with PVPC as well in the past. Um, 
So the only TIP funded trail projects are have been rail to trail projects and they were driven by mass DOT. They were not local and they were generally large connectivity gaps. So if you had a rail to trail and the railroad trestle through Peabody or something was was not accessible, you know, DOT would 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 seek tip funding in order to make that connectivity piece happen. Um, as far as doing an aqueduct or just making a general municipal trail, uh, tip funding has not been been approved for that. Um, we are looking into the tip for uh, possible intersection safety improvements. Um, it's a long, 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 long process, and the municipality is responsible for all the design costs in advance. Um, my my goal and objective for Complete Streets funding, for example, um, Davis Street between Lanthorne and, and Hamilton, use local funds to come up with the feasibility, uh, the design, can we do this, get the easements needed in order to build a sidewalk and then let complete streets be paired up with local funding to build it. Um, I don't wanna spend complete streets grant money on things that may not happen. I'd, I'd rather vet it out and then go to the state with a, a solid plan on something that will be built. I just, I, yeah, I just, I want to, I might just explore a little bit more following up from the presentation I heard today. There were just a lot of ideas like Mass Trails said they could provide funding for feasibility studies for projects that could go for TIP funding. So it was, I mean, there are a lot of trail connectivity projects and I think the Cotituate Aqueduct um, Trail just got funded by through TIP, but like you said, it might've been uh, a remaining gap or something. So I mean, I'll, I'll inquire, but if it's, uh, you know, if you don't think it makes sense, then obviously we wouldn't, I wouldn't pursue that. Um, Julianne? Yeah, I, I just wanted to make a comment that um, there, there are certain sidewalks that are, that make a pedestrian, I think, feel safer than other sidewalks. And I'm actually thinking about 135 and probably because that road is becoming busier by the day, but um, are, you know, when you, when you walk along a sidewalk that has a, like a strip of grass or whatever between the sidewalk and the street, that, that um, for, for, for truth or not, it makes you feel a little bit safer as a pedestrian, I think. And is there anything, you know, when you mentioned bike, bike lanes on that road, maybe that's something that will make the pedestrian feel like there's a little more buffer between them and the traffic. So as we move forward with sidewalks, I guess my, my plea is that um, it, wherever possible, we have those, those, those strips or some kind of definition between the road and the sidewalk. That's one of the points that was made in the um, in the community development plan from 2004, and it's it's a viable one. That you know, if you look in there, it indicates sidewalks should be eight feet wide. They should have a minimum of three foot buffer between the sidewalk walking surface and the curved face, um, in order for one pedestrians to feel safe, um, and two for there to, there to be a buffer um, between the between the two uh, uh, transportation modes. When you look on South Street. We, 
the sidewalks are four feet wide. Some some places we have a we have a, we have a mountain on one side, and it's it's it in the lanes are, are twelve feet wide. Uh, it's a challenge. It's 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 a challenge in a lot of areas. Um, and but you're absolutely right, Julianne. Any place where where we can fit, you know, multimodal uh, uh, transportation and and expand the uh, the shoulders, we do. You know, that's our goal. And you know, we were talking about Lombarla Street. You know, traffic calming by reducing the lane width. How do you reduce the lane width? Well, you can do some pavement markings and rumble strips and have shared lanes and make drivers feel like the lane is a little narrower and that way the adjacent users feel safer. Um, so you're, you're absolutely right, Julian. That's part of the Complete Streets program. Oh, great. Thank you so much, Scott. This might be a, a good segue. I don't know if anybody else has any comments um, on this portion, but Dario had some examples, streetscape examples that kind of can give us a visual of, of what we're talking about right now, the sidewalks. Um, so unless anyone else had any more comments or questions, um, we can turn it over to Dario now and kind of get that visual, which might be helpful. All right, Dario. Okay, um, and and I think what Rick said and did was was very well done and very well thought out. I think the, the, the connectivity, and this will play right into the, the safety aspects as well, um, connecting not just downtown to neighborhoods, but to Bartlett Ponds. We have some really awesome waterfalls um, that are completely ignored um, that, that would be features that other towns don't have. And to be able to visit those and enjoy them um, would be awesome, even with Asimut covers Route 20, it's there, but uh, we've graced it with a parking lot instead of maybe a nice green area to enjoy the waterfall. And, and those natural features, the aqueduct and everything else, if they are all tied together with bikes and, and walking paths, that's spectacular. And I think the safety zone that Julian was talking about with, with all um, due respect to Scott, um, I wouldn't walk past that loading dock in an armored suit um, on Hudson Street. I think it's incredibly dangerous, and I think it'd be a matter of when there's an accident or someone hurt or killed is really the facts. With trying to back up on a blindside inside curve, and we're making it worse by taking an 8-foot or 10-foot um, setback that's designed for 20 and making it shorter, uh, is an incredible safety risk. But, and I went out and looked at it a couple of days ago and, and was kind of shocked that we would allow that because in my discipline, it's it's always safety first that I'd never take my kid in a stroller past that. Um, it's it's very, very difficult to get out. And I've done tons of lo loading docks and distribution, but that's just my opinion and just want to be on the record saying, I think it's very, very dangerous. Um, and now to go to, I think I need the screen share. So I was just, um, <clears throat> I think I'm here. Okay. So to look at, we talked a lot about, and it seemed like everybody kind of knows what they want and knows what they don't want. And it was amazing how in the, um, the community development plan, 
this is actually all very eloquently spelled out. I, I'd never seen that. It was done you know, almost 20 years ago, but it was very well done. And most of what's there applies, including the three foot, it's called the curb zone, where we normally put, I'll just say for simple words, stuff. Stuff being um, lanterns, um, plants, um, parking meters, uh, different things that support and, and divide the, the street parking from the sidewalk. Um, so those, those are really um, interesting uh, spots to look at. But this one's really simple. It's very close and I'll start off with, with Marlboro. Um, some of the fundamentals to any good downtown, which we could do, but I, I think seeing it, we don't have to wonder as much what to do, it's gonna be a matter of how we do it or if we can do it. But there's, there's, I'm gonna say six very basic things that are pretty consistent in almost any good downtown that people like. Um, one is on street parking. Um, we don't like cars mixing downtown, but every good one you like, and I'll show you from here to the north end, has on street parking because people tend to be lazy. They want to go in the shop, come back out. They don't want a big parking garage hidden behind somewhere because you took a five-minute stop and turned it into a 20-minute stop, and then they ignore the downtowns. And I watched that happen once in Ohio where they put this beautiful curved road with beautiful trees and plants and benches and fountains, and the downtown just shut down. Then they took it all back out, put the street, backing, street parking back in, and the downtown started to thrive again. It's just how we live, whether we want people to live that way or not. That's just the reality. So street parking is, is a big deal. The curb zone, and even here, it's very tiny. If you can see the cursor, there's just a two-foot brick stripe that kind of says walk on one side, cars on the other. Some towns can have that be three, four, five feet. Some of them have a big tree line, but it's pretty consistent. Another really important one is this detail here is one of the most important and it's called bulbing the corners. And I think um, Scott spoke to that as well. If you can tighten this up and bring these corners out and make them sharper, it's almost physically impossible to go around that curve at 45 miles an hour. You're gonna go around at 15 or 10 because you just can't make the turn. And, and an example would be where Route 20 peels into Church Street, you can take that at 45 miles an hour easy. If you sharpen those curves, it slows down the traffic. It makes it safer for the pedestrian. And what's interesting, what Marlboro did, which was actually, you know, I'll give them brilliant points. <laughs> they don't have much of a sidewalk, nor do we. So how do you add, you add trees when you bulb the corner? It gives you an opportunity to plant some trees in an area you would not have had with just the six or eight foot sidewalks that we currently have. So that was a really big one um, is to do that. The lanterns give you kind of a sense of identity or arrival into the downtown, which speaks more pedestrian, which tells cars to slow down. It's kind of these subtle hints. Um, and then anything you can do with, with um, branding or, or wayfinding where you start to put up the signs or some of the artwork we were talking about, um, that also says slow down um, with, with your downtown. So I was just going to buzz through some 
local and, and not so local. That's Marlboro, but it works. It has some of those fundamental features. It has the curb, it has the bulbing of the corners, it has the lanterns, um, and it has the street parking. If you, and I forget which ones are here, um, this is Hudson. Same, same exact thing. They put the little brick stripe. That's where they're putting uh, their signs and, and, and their lanterns. And I think even if we turn around, what they didn't do here, even though the corner is sharp, is they didn't bulb it. In other words, this curb should come out in front of that car, which then makes the vehicles turning the corner have to go that much slower. And it makes it safer. And whenever you do bulb the corner, if it comes out farther on both ends, then the pedestrian walk is also shortened. So it's safer for the people. So it becomes a more pedestrian downtown, which is what we're trying to accomplish. So on this end, that would be over here, would just be some uh, piece of concrete curb or brick or whatever, popping out a little further just to slow things down. And some of these towns are in, in transition and, and some are fully developed. And, we have a little common like this in our downtown, so it's kind of nice to capitalize on that to give relief, you know, if, if we can as we go forward. And a lot of these obviously have a ton of brick buildings with beautiful facades all lined up. We don't have that, but to get there, we don't put in gas stations or Cumberland Farms. You know, that's the stuff that, that just makes it that much harder to ever bring it back to this. And, and what we did at Cumberland Farms, for example, the, the two entrances that go to Route 20, you know, I'd say you cut those off and they can only get out on Hudson Street because that's one of the worst things you can do for downtown is have traffic pulling in and out, slowing down the Route 20 traffic and crossing where the pedestrians are trying to walk. Here, the car never crosses where you're trying to walk. In a gas station, it crosses it 24 seven and, and they're in and out all the time. Um, this one's up in, in, in Teen, a similar thing. They have the, the luxury of actually having a center island, but again, they're bulbing the corners here where they're bringing the corners out as far as the parking, making sharp turns, which slows down the traffic. They have the lanterns, they have the walkways. It's pretty, it's pretty consistent. And again, I'm not like, inventing this stuff. It's just kind of a common thread and our, um, community development plan points that all out, which is wonderful because I'm sitting here looking at saying, well, why don't we do this? And then I'm looking at sketches that we have. We have the answers. We just, we just have to get there. Um, obviously, everybody knows this. This is the North End. Now they're using the parking spaces for COVID, but the same thing, the corners are tight. The people live there. The mixed use where you can have residential above the commercial because now the guy, whatever, whatever he's having for dinner tonight, they're serving at the restaurant as, as the meal of the day. You know, that's how these, these folks live, but the community is, you know, it's a living, thriving, and you feel safe walking in the North End. And, and I'm flying through these just to give you um, some, some basic ideas. Okay. Um, I don't even remember where I am here. Oh, this is Bend, Oregon. So Bend, Oregon did it as well, where they bulb the corners out to sharpen the corners and then have the on-street parking. And, and the same thing here, just to slow down traffic. They have the curb area, they have the walking area, they have the trees, they have the lanterns, 
and we could look at 3,000 of these, but they all have a same common thing. It's not rocket science really to figure it out. It's just how do we get there with what we have? And, and ours is a, is a much more difficult situation because they aren't just straight 90 degree intersections. We have church hitting off of South Street or, or 135. They don't go straight across. So that all of a sudden mandates two street lights instead of one. So that does make things um, you know, more difficult. Portland, Oregon was one of the first towns to start doing all the, the, the corners. And at Portland, you know, it's a little tougher now, but you to, to go there just because of the political stuff going on. But here, again, you can see the curb where they switched materials. And within that curb, they have their trees. They have, and I wouldn't recommend parking meters, but they do have parking meters. They do have the lanterns. Um, you'll have other amenity garbage cans or whatever else we're gonna put there to, to service the public. But they will also, in, in all cases, um, at every intersection, they pull the corners out to tighten it up, to slow down the cars, to make the crossing for the people safer and make it a more walkable, uh, and in this case, you can see bikeable area, but it's, it's a pretty fundamental commonality across any decent downtown if you wanna make it work. Um, and, and actually this town actually has Route 20 going through it. So does Bend, Oregon, <laughs> which is kind of funny because we've got Route 20 going, going through our town as well. Um, and then this is Shrewsbury. And it's kind of, I only point this out is because they're trying to get there. Um, they have a very similar problem. They don't have the complex intersection we have, but you can see they're starting to get street parking on one side they are getting in the lanterns. Um, and, and another thing, as you go down the street, which is kind of interesting, it slows down traffic. They're putting this little granite island, which all of a sudden signals to the cars and to the people, this is a pedestrian area. This is downtown. And, and that may be an eight inch strip of cobblestones, but it's, it's giving the downtown, starting to give it a sense of identity. And, it will slow down traffic because it's a little bit different. And it's just saying, people, we don't want you flying through the town. This is our downtown, slow down and respect it. So there's a lot of little tricks to do to get the driver to realize, hey, this is the time to, to, to slow down. I'm in a downtown, including signage. Uh, we had some wonderful signs that we just took down on, on, on some of the telephone poles, which all of a sudden gave you a sense of arriving in our downtown. So. We had talked about some wayfinding and signage um, guidelines. Those also help out a lot, you know, and then, and then we're back to kind of where we are. But the, the only other piece that I had was when I looked at this sketch in, in our own community development. Um, what page is that? I don't even know. XV1, um, even though I'm Roman in my roots, I don't know what it, but, but this basically shows you, there's the curb, um, there's the trees, the features, there's the walkway. We were talking about being safer. The answers are here. So I think how we do it, we have to do these fundamental things. Getting there is a different process. One of the hardest things is we have a lot of traffic. And, and the only other thing that, that you can do to leave that 
is to look at a bypass, and, and I actually did. Um, and there is a way to, to get rid of some of the traffic. And if you can get rid of that traffic, that gives you the opportunity to start to put in some on-street parking and slow things down in, in our downtown because it's it's we all live here, so we know how tough it is to drive through town in the middle of the day. Um, sequencing the traffic lights, there, there's there's other things there that that are really difficult. But um, I think we can get there, and I think the answer is pretty simple. Uh, it's a matter of, of how we get to that, that. That's a little more difficult with what we have. And and South Street, when we turn that corner, if it is nice and sharp, you know, we've got a store in the corner that you can enter from either side, which is just all asphalt on, on one of the mainest, you know, one of the main intersections in our entire town. And it's 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 paved on all three sides, which which hurts if you're trying to come up with an elegant downtown. And the other intersection, Church and Route 20, we've got another gas station on that corner. So that's a that's a really tough one to solve today. You just can't take out the gas station. But I think um, this this same manual, which which again was 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 amazing, um, it also had another page in it that was again written way before my time about prohibited uses. And, and, and they said in, in, in 2000, um, 2004, um, in, in the prohibited uses, gas stations, all the things that we're still putting in there. So we can't get there if we don't follow our own direction because those things are just nightmares in downtowns. You know, and I do go to the Cumberland Farms all the time because it's convenient, but you don't want to walk in front of it. No one will enjoy the walk with cars getting in your way. So anyway, that's it's it's out there everywhere, and the answer is pretty consistent. Is really what we're doing, and there's only four or five things that need to happen to make it work. The difficulty is getting there, you know, with, with our downtown and and whoever we hire to do that, um, they will know these are the answers. So I think when a lot of us are talking, say, well, what do we do? How do we do it? This is kind of the what to do, in my opinion, because it's been successful and repeated so many times because it works. Um, it's getting there that is the, the hardest task. And part of it is zoning. Do we have the right setbacks for downtown? You can limit and prohibit use variants downtown and just say, no, we're not going to do this. We, we want it to be nice. It may be for my grandkids, but... <laughs> We want it to be nice, and if we don't start or listen to what we came up with 20 years ago, we'll never get there. So that's it. That's my two cents. Thanks, Sario. I think that was really helpful to just get those visuals and kind of hear about that. Kathy? Um, I just wanted to, just so that everybody's on the same page, um, what Dario had mentioned about um, some of the zoning recommendations from the community development plan, the uh, planning board then took that community development plan and, and worked for almost three years. Um, Fran actually and Rick were very much a part of that project where the, the zoning, the, the just about every single zoning suggestion that was made in the community development plan was adopted by the town um, in 2009. And, and one of the 
um, first things that was taken out of the zoning for downtown as an allowed use um, was gas stations. And so gas stations are no longer and have not been allowed um, since 2009 in the downtown, um, uh, whether it's you know uh, by right or by special permit. So the only things that you see there are are the gas stations that have that have you know ex existed for a long time, and and you know Cumberland Farms was you know grandfathered. I mean it wasn't Cumberland Farms, but I mean the gas station the use was grandfathered, and so then you know Cumberland Farms bought the previous gas station, and that's how a gas station stayed at that corner. So. Um, so just uh, again, you know, it's it's one use, but I mean, it's certainly a use that was loud and clear um, in the community development plan that people no longer wanted to um, um, encourage in the in the downtown. So that's they've been prohibited since two thousand and nine. I see Fran has her hand raised too. I just wanted to say that I think that um, Dario is absolutely correct that sidewalks will make a lot of difference. I happen to um, benefit from living very close to downtown, um, just um, a little north of where um, Ashley lives. And I mean, I walked down to the post office tonight before the meeting. I go to CVS, I walk to the CVS. I've gone up and down, um, you know, Allen Street. That's one of our longer walks. Um, so the inconsistent sidewalks is a challenge. Um, I'm hopping from one side of Route 20 to the other because the sidewalk goes only so far. So getting um, sidewalks to connecting to a downtown environment is absolutely the most important, but also having people close enough to walk. The people, I mean, we can put in all the bike lanes and the sidewalks we want, but I don't really believe people in, at Indian Meadows are gonna walk all the way to downtown on a regular basis. So we need to get some more people down in that area as well. Yeah, I think that point is duly noted, and I think it's important, and I think Rick, Rick mentioned this, that there's streetscapes downtown, and then there's connections throughout town, and they're two very distinct and separate things, and I think, like you said, the, the larger connections throughout town, maybe that's more of the biking situation. That's more of focusing on commuters, because I don't think people are going to walk from, you know, uh, up on Smith you know, near Mount Pisgah down to downtown. And um, you're right, Fran, we benefit and we get to you. I, I love that. I love where I live because it's so walkable and um, most people in town don't get that, but I don't know if it's gonna be possible. Uh, somebody had their hand up, Julianne. Yeah, I just wanna thank Dario for that, that presentation that kind of just solidified probably what a lot of us, you know, kind of feel as we drive and walk through a town, but but you put you put that, you know, that uh, put it to words and, um, and, and yeah, kind of solidified what, what we, um, what we want. And, and I, it's, these solutions are, don't seem that monumental. I mean, we're, we don't need a big dig or, you know, a canal. They, they just, they might be expensive, but there's clearly not impossible since since communities are doing so much of it. But also another comment about um, about gas stations. Okay, they're here to stay. We need them, but but and I, this is probably not even in our um, in our mission. But you know, as we move towards electric vehicles, 
th those are going to change too. And, and how can we help that? <laughs> so those are my comments. Thank you. Fran, I think your hand up was from before, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. um, did anybody else have any comments? No. <laughs> Silence. <laughs> um, Scott, I think you did mention in one of the past meetings that wherever these sort of changes like Dario mentioned can happen they've kind of been considered is that true or is it is there something that we can do to help kind of um encourage more of these streetscape changes downtown the um you know the photographs that that, that Dario is showing down in different downtowns um they're they're fantastic you see them all over the place uh being implemented our downtown is um route 20 for the most part, and it's state highway. Um, you know, I, I, my, my prior employment was in Webster. Their downtown was a, a state numbered um, local route like R135. So 135 is a town road, but it's a state number. So the town has an opportunity to do things along that corridor that um, we don't have the opportunity to do along the Route 20 corridor. Um, so it's, it's like Dario indicated, there's a lot of challenges um, to implementing those those um, those you know assets, you know bump outs at the intersections are fantastic. They're they're safe. It's a traffic calming mechanism. Even at night, you know when nobody's parallel parked on the road, you have these these curb line bump outs that that calm traffic. And and that's that's a tough time of year, a tough time of the day for for pedestrian and and, and vehicle interactions. Um, you know the bump outs slow people down absolutely. You know, the little buffer, people don't want to walk on that two running bond courses of, of brick. But again, this is a mass DOT roadway. So it's it's a bit different for, for, for Northborough. That, that's a challenge for us. Just going back to the, the workshop I was in today, and obviously I'm not an expert. I have no, you know, that one workshop doesn't make me know what I'm talking about at all. But it sounded like some of the participants today, it sounded like more funding was possible on mass COT roadways, I guess maybe for that tip funding, do, is there more of a chance to get funding, but maybe there's a longer line or uh, I guess well, I, I, I've done tip projects and you're in that, and Kathy can uh, you know, uh, echo it. If you're in the five to eight year window to get things done and mm -hmm. we're just on the you know, south side of that window after the intersection improvements, you know, that mm -hmm. was all that was all tip funded. They went through a, mm -hmm. an exhaustive uh, public involvement process to get to where they are today. Um, you know, to see, I, I don't, I don't see a, a feasible approach to convincing Mass DOT to rip up what they built maybe a decade ago. At okay. least in that core area, from you know, from Hudson Street and Patty Lane over to to kind of Church toward Monroe. Yeah. Okay. That's helpful to, to know. Thank you. Can I just make a comment on a kind of different subject for a second? I, I thought the presentation from the Cultural Council tonight was really good. Um, and for me, the big takeaway was we need to make sure they're plugged into the development of the downtown plan. They have a lot of good ideas and things they want to do, I think, could be very useful 
an input they give the consultant could be very helpful. They they represent uh, a constituency and and a group of people that could do something that could really help form what could come out of the plan. So I thought that you know was very useful part of the discussion. Um, I think we have to be careful. I think other people are probably going to want to come and present to us because they know we're sort of in charge of this whole planning process, especially the downtown. But um, we have to be careful that we don't sort of get positioned as kind of the clearinghouse for great ideas that people have for the town of Northborough. And then we spend a lot of time in our meetings feeding back about, oh, you could do this, you could do that, or don't do this, or don't do that. To the extent that somebody presents something to us and it fits our mission of managing the master plan, and maybe that, that person or that group can play into the master plan rollout. That's good. But I thought tonight, not that the comments we gave back to Suzanne were inappropriate, but we, could, we sort of switched our emphasis from the master plan for a while to talking about art in the community. And I mean, it was an interesting thing to talk about, but that's really not kind of what the purpose of our meetings are. So. So I do think we have to be careful as I think it would make sense over time, other people want to come to these meetings and I think it would make sense to invite them. We just need to be careful that we manage the way we approach it is, okay, this is what this is what you want to do. This is how we think you could be helpful to the plan and thank you very much. And then if any of us want to get involved with the actual projects they're doing, maybe do that offline outside of these meetings. So I don't want to be overly critical because I think a lot of good stuff came out well, they were on the agenda for 15 minutes and we, until Ashley finally was able to sort of calm Suzanne down. We were 45 minutes into the meeting and we we're having a good time talking about art and where to put it. And that really wasn't the purpose of her presentation, just to let us know what they were thinking about and how they might fit into the planning process. So just a word of warning as we do this in the future to sort of keep our focus on what our main mission is. Yeah, I think it was helpful that we were able to learn about their long-term permanent installation and, and that we should work together, but beyond that, yeah. Um, I think, uh, Gene Kennedy, you had your hand up, yep. Um, I just wanted to go back to uh, Route 20 again. Uh, I think, you know, from what Kathy said, a lot of uh, zoning adjustments were made after the 2004 plan but in hindsight, it does not seem that even though there was a public participation process for the Mass DOT and the Route 20 improvements, that those pages 55 through 60 of the 2004 plan were reflected in what we have out there. Um, so we understand we're working sort of in reverse of the way it should be done, right? We should have a downtown plan and then that drives how the streetscape should look and the throughway and the throughput of the vehicles. So we're working sort of in the opposite. So my question for Scott, and if we go back to Dario's presentation, the, his first of his six design recommendations was on-street parking. Because when you have on-street parking, you immediately feel safe as a pedestrian because you've got a barrier between yourself and the vehicles. We don't have that. You know, cars, that Route 20 was designed 
to speed cars through downtown Northborough as quickly as possible. And if you've been through Marlborough and you get to Northborough, you wanna go fast because that's your opportunity. Um, if we as a group thought that introducing on-street parking met several of our goals, one of which is to slow down traffic so people can see downtown rather than just drive through it quickly. Secondly, provide places for people to actually park, to get out of their vehicle and go to the shops. Uh, I guess my question is for Scott, uh, given what transpired with the redesign, what would the process be and what would the likelihood be of introducing on-street parking on U20 in our downtown? Through the chair, uh, Eugene, you know, we could certainly approach MassDOT to discuss it. I'm not exactly sure where you're thinking on-street parking. You know, when I, when, I, when I drive through the downtown, we have essentially curb-to-curb -curb travel lanes from Say uh, La Vie to just past Dunkin' Donuts. So our entire commercial section of Route 20, um, again, Say La Vie through Dunkin' Donuts is curb-to-curb -curb travel lane is really not, you know, beyond, you know, going toward, toward Times Square, there's, you know, large shoulders that are um, available for potential, you know, uh, on-street parking. But I don't, you know, in the, in the heart of downtown, and again, going back to what Rick talked about and Ashley talked about to uh, the last meeting, you know, just trying to define what is downtown. I don't really, I don't know where or how DOT would even consider on-street parking in the core commercial portion of, of Route 20. Yeah, I think, Gene, it's going to be part of the process of the plan to think through what the downtown is going to be and where it's going to be. So it, it, in my mind, it's not a given that the center of the downtown is going to be Route 20. There's a given that Route 20 is going to proceed where it's proceeding now. And the consultants are going to have to work with us to figure out how best to manage that situation. But in terms of the things that we want to try and accomplish through the plan for the downtown, it may be that there are other ways to expand the reach of the downtown or do something to get some of these aspects we want. And in, in that, there may, some, there may be some ideas that come out about Route 20 that might be useful. So I think it's a little premature at this point to start talking about exactly what do we do with Route 20 until we get a better idea of what the new downtown area is going to look like and how Route 20 plays into it. And well, will the new downtown kind of avoid Route 20? Or will Route 20 be part of the downtown? Or which part of it will it be? I don't know. I think it's helpful to know. I mean, Eugene's asking the question, what, where do you see it as a possibility or do you see it as a possibility? It's good to know Scott's opinion on that, you know, as we continue our discussion. Um, Kathy, you had your hand up and then Dario. 
Yeah, I was just gonna say, I, there's probably, um, as I'm looking at everybody on here, there's maybe a third of us on on this meeting probably do remember that we did have on-street parking downtown. Um, I, I used to love it personally. Um, we had a combination actually of angle parking and also parallel parking. Um, and, and I remember, this is just a side note, but one of the most difficult things that people could not get used to when, when the downtown was redone with the signals was that they could no longer park in front of Northborough House of Pizza. And it was, it was, I mean, it was, it was comical, but it was also frightening because people would pull up on the railroad tracks and they just were bound and determined to still park in front of that in front of that establishment as opposed to you know having to park behind it like we do now but um so we so we did have it um we we did have both kinds of of on-street parking and and i and i you know i mean i agree with both of course with both dario and and scott in the sense that the these are you know some some of these suggestions are very um common methods that that the state does employ and does let towns do it on certain roads um and it's not you know it, it, it it's certainly i think worthwhile at at some point in this process whether it's you know with the consultant and mass dot or staff with mass dot but you know the state is constantly evolving even though a lot of people don't think that but they certainly they do evolve and um just with the whole complete streets program i mean i i never thought that was possible you know 25 years ago with some of the things that they are allowing towns to do for traffic calming you know that it was unheard of 20 25 years ago so um i again though to scott's point you know right in the core of of today what we consider downtown you know just you know, CVS to, you know, across the street to the, you know, package store and honey farms. And I, I don't know if the state will ever allow any kind of, you know, to reintroduce parking on street parking there. But, um, you know, to Rick's point, I think, you know, we look at expanding, at least in our, in our minds and eventually what people think of as the downtown. And um, there, there's, I think there's a lot of um, possibilities, uh, especially along Blake Street, um, and that we can look at, and you know, re reuse of some buildings on on Pierce and Blake, um, where where we may be able to introduce that kind of parking. And Dario, and I, and I yeah, all right. I, it's it's interesting to hear we had the the downtown parking at one time because that's what happened in, in my hometown when they took it out and then 20 years later they put it back um, and, and it was the main drag um, and my hometown actually in Ohio has Route 20 going going through it it's amazing how that street can go everywhere um, one other way of accomplishing that and and again whether it is where it is now or somewhere else that's I think for all of us to try to determine um, there are many, many towns, such as Marlboro. Route 20 does go right through Marlboro, but they put in a bypass. They put in a Route 85 bypass. And if you put a bypass in, to go back to Scott's point, if there was a bypass from, from Route 20 to church, because a lot of the traffic that goes 
through our town, not to our town, but through it. If you hit your GPS anywhere east of Main Street and say, I want to go to anywhere west of Main Street, I don't care if it's California, Ohio, Albany, or Worcester, it's going to send you through downtown Northboro, on the Church Street, on the 290, and there. And everybody's living with Waze and Google Maps, and that's how they're going to get there. If there's a bypass, it sends you around. If you get a bypass, you eliminate a lane. If you eliminate a lane, you can get parking. So, and I'm not saying that's what we should do, but there are ways to do it. Um, it's just thinking a little bit outside the box. And many of the towns um, do have Route 20 going through. Shrewsbury starting to, you know, they did a couple little things to slow stuff down there even with the little cobblestones on the center lane, they have some street parking that's a little bit off their main intersection, but it looks like they're working towards it. And, and again, that's Route 20. And, and I think the, the difficult thing that we have, which um, Scott and everybody sees this, is our intersection doesn't line up. And that just makes it that much worse that, that Route 135 tees off at 20 and Church Street tees off somewhere else. So we can't even get a traditional intersection, which just, it, it just makes it that much more difficult. So I don't know the ultimate solution. I don't know, to Rick's point, if it should be where it is. Uh, intuitively, it feels like, like it, it could be, but, but when you were doing all this, whatever we do, if, if there was a bypass, um, and, and that could tie together all the walking trails and hiking trails and, you know, do the big picture thing as opposed to solving one problem that they could maybe do five or six problems and all of a sudden that makes sense. So um, th there's, there's different ways to try to accomplish this and, and whether it ends up where it is now or um, toward Romaine's um, has yet to be seen, but, but there are ways to do it if we want to do it. And I think it's clear, I mean, this we weren't going to be talking about the downtown plan scope tonight, and we'll be talking about it in January, hopefully, but I think it's clear that traffic is a big topic. It's, it's a, a big piece that we'll need to be addressed in that plan um, when we start looking at the add-ons that Donnie had mentioned, um, some of the analyses that uh, sh should be asked for within the scope, so. All right. Did anybody else had any have any more um, comments or questions on either the the streetscape or the trails and pedestrian and and bike bikeability before we move on? All right. Um, so I think next we're just going to review the minutes. Uh, did anybody have any comments on the minutes from last meeting? I had a couple of comments if nobody else does. Um, Kathy, should I just rattle these off for you or is Michelle just gonna watch? Oh, you're muted. Sorry about that. Um, sure, if, if you or anyone else, you know, whatever changes you make tonight, Ashley, if you have a marked up, if it ends up just being comments from you, if you have a marked up copy, um, oh, you sure. can just send it to me uh, tomorrow and Michelle can incorporate those, you know, those changes. It'd okay. be helpful if, if you just stated what they were, Ashley, so the rest of us know what they are. 
Yeah, pretty, pretty simple. Um, page three, uh, third paragraph from the bottom, it says, uh, Mr. Leaf and Mr. Coderre uh, asked Mr. Coderre if it was possible that decisions made about buildings such as the old downtown hall and old fire station will happen cooperatively as the study goes along. I think by the study, it meant the master plan study or plan. Um, so I just wanted to clarify that so we know what the, the study is. Um, and then uh, page five, paragraph five. Let's see. No, I can't find it. Um, well, I can send around my um, changes to everyone or they're made. It was just changing an and, uh, changing a, a but to an and. It's not, not a big deal, just a clarification. That's it. So do I have a motion to approve the minutes? I move that we approve the minutes as amended. A second. Second. Oh, Amy. Oops, sorry. All right. Take a roll call. Uh, Julianne? Aye. Dario? Aye. Rick? Aye. Jean Kennedy? Yes. Adrian? Aye. Jean Cahill? Aye. Fran? Aye. Amy? Aye. John? Aye. Millie? Aye. Bill? All right, minutes are approved. Oh, and I think that was, I lost my agenda. The, the only other thing, Ashley, I mean, you, I think you've already alluded to it, but I had just written down um, the status of the scope for the downtown plan, but yeah. we're anticipating that Donnie will have that um, out to people before your next meeting, which and your next meeting right now would be January 20th. Okay. And I know Donnie wanted to know or wanted us to discuss where things are at with the um, the spreadsheet, the shareable spreadsheet and the, the sharing mechanism. Um, he really wants us to be able to use that. And so I didn't know where that was at. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree with him more. And um, what I think I'll end up doing is is talking to Donnie to see if perhaps that's it's just taking long on our end um IT is down a, a whole staff person um so uh what I can do is is um give Donnie a call tomorrow or Monday and see if it's something that he would be able to help us do through VHB um I, I you know yeah. I, I don't the mechanics of that but but i'll follow up on that okay thank you all right and if if anybody has anything else let me know otherwise i'll look for a motion to adjourn but oh kathy actually yeah actually i just wanted to say um i don't i think most everybody on the on the meeting um is aware of this at this point but i'm um this will be my last meeting with you um i as i'm retiring um, at the end of this month. So um, I think, as, <laughs> thanks, Bill. Um, 
I think pretty much, well, it, it, uh, the most people are, the, the, word has, the word has gotten out, not that it was a secret or anything, but you know, it just filters out. Um, and um, I'm, I'm obviously very excited to be retiring, um, but, but it's also um, bittersweet because this is a project that's near to dear to my heart. And I absolutely loved working on um, the, with the steering committee and, you know, I've just barely started, you know, with all of you as the implementation committee, but, um, you know, I, I have um, complete trust that, uh, that this project is, is going to continue to move forward. And, um, and it's, it's been very exciting because this is the third master plan that I've worked on in this community. And, um, and, and each one has had um, uh, you know, some success in, in being implemented. Um, and I, but I think this, this time around with an actual implementation committee um, in hand and, and with um, lot, lots of uh, funding possibility, lots of funding period and lots of funding possibilities um, that, it, you know, it, it, there's a real chance that, uh, that most of the uh, objectives and goals of this master plan is going to be accomplished. And um, it's been a pleasure to work with all of you. Um, I'm sorry, it's only been a few months, but um, I appreciate all of your work and, um, and, I'll, and I'll, miss, I'll miss you. I'll miss working with this committee. And, and thank you all for all the work that you're putting into this. Thank well, you. Congratulations, Kathy. I don't, I, I guess I remember, I knew that you were retiring, but I didn't know it was so soon. And I didn't know this would be your last meeting. Yeah. So uh, congratulations. We're yeah, really, really going to miss you though. Thank you. Thank you all very much. Kathy, your, um, your mark and legacy are woven into this plan and this committee and it will live yeah. on. Um, if only, uh, if, if allowed through the chair, if I say on occasion, what would Kathy say about this? <laughs> of course. You're going to be in the background the whole time. <laughs> Thank you all and good luck. Good luck with this. Thank good luck you. To you. Thank oh, you. And happy holidays. Just, that's, that's right it. for we everyone. Yeah. yeah. Happy. Yeah. Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Mm -hmm. You have to make a move to adjourn or no? You do, yeah. Do you want to oh, make one? <laughs> right on schedule. I didn't know we were ending, but um, pretty much sounded like a motion. I'll second Mario's motion. Who is that, Bill? I'll Bill second Mario's motion. All right. All right. I'll take a roll call vote. Julianne? Aye. Dario? Oh, you were, you made the motion. Yes. Rick? Yes. <laughs> Jean Kennedy? Yes. Adrian? Yes. Jean Cahill? Yes. Fran? Yes. Amy? Aye. John? Yes. Millie? Yes. And Bill? Yes. All right. Well, thank you guys and um, have a great holiday season. And Kathy, we'll miss you, but congratulations and relax. <laughs> <laughs> Take a nice long break. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Very